Good afternoon. Well, it's actually morning still. Sorry. I was just blown away by that video. They had my most popular car in there, if you did not notice. I had the 300,000-mile Toyota Matrix that uh, we finally got rid of to my daughter's great joy and rejoicing. We donated it. I didn't want to sell it to anybody because I didn't, couldn't bear anybody driving it but that I knew. So, uh, But she got a new car. And uh, she's rejoicing in the fin financing of the new car. So uh, I just really want to say happy Father's Day. For, you know, guys, if we're standing in that role of a father, if we're raising up children, if we are fathering individuals in here, it's an amazing thing that God figures out how to bring us together to teach us things that we didn't know. There's a lot we've learned in this fellowship about how to be a father. There's a lot we've taken from our life experiences and our own fathers on how to be a father. But this is the King James Version. Caitlin asked me, Dad, why the King James Version? Sometimes it just sounds more officious or something. I like reading different translations. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and that he that begetteth a wild, uh, a wise child shall have the joy of him in her. Not a wild child, a wise child. That's Proverbs chapter 23. When we have that righteousness, when we have that wisdom in our kids, there is just such a sense of rejoicing. And I'm just so happy to know that about my own daughters and our son-in-law. It's that This holiday does coincide with a godly expectation of the men here. One that many of us have embraced. Others of us are eager to embrace. And others, I hope, today will gain a vision for how they can be those kinds of fathers that can have that happy Father's Day. I want to encourage us all, stay the course. Some of us have seen our kids turn over their lives to Jesus Christ. But even in that famous parable of the prodigal son, could the father control exactly what the child was going to do? No. But the child knew that they could go back and that the father would still be the same when they went back. We need to have that as a core conviction that in our life that we're living, that we can even rejoice because we live by faith and not by sight. We trust that God is at work. And, he, and even in that story, he knew that he could return to his father and he'd be the same. And as I was thinking about this, if you go to the next slide, my father and mother have been passed away now for just about nine years, going on ten years. This is a picture about just a year before they passed away at uh, Caitlin's 14th birthday party. And uh, there's just so much joy that was in our lives at this time because he had come to respect our daughters. He had come to respect our marriage. He had come to respect me. There was tumultuous times in the Finnerty household because if you think I'm stubborn... My dad was more stubborn, and he was determined that he was right, and I was wrong. 
And eventually he admitted what we were doing with our kids was a godly thing. That he was proud of our daughter, Kit McCall, getting baptized and excited for Caitlin's heart for God. We need to just know that even in our own parents, even though there's things that we've gotten that we wish we never got, there are things that we got that we're glad we've gotten. There are things that we, we need to be able to look and see how God even worked in our families. Because it says, we know that in all things, right, God works for the good of those who love Him. In fact, if we go to that next slide, I think we need to thank God that we have a Father in Heaven. Because for me, coming into this fellowship changed the way that I think. I don't know about you guys, did everyone's mind get transformed and you grew in your knowledge and your understanding and your eyes were opened and you're... All of a sudden, you're smarter, you're more humble, you have more ideas on how to do things. Plus, we've got a whole fellowship of people to talk to. Why do we have that? Because in Romans 8, verse 28, it says, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. We need to believe that. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Because some of us have grown up in a good household. Some of us have grown up in a very challenging household. But we're all in this fellowship right now, and God is working in our lives. God is working through our, our time together, your time in the Word, the Holy Spirit within you, just everything that happens as a church. We need to take time to recognize the way God has worked in our lives. Because even as we strive to be our best, are we perfect? No, we fall short. And there's times we incriminate ourselves. There's times that we wish, oh, I could have done that different. I could have done that better. But God is still at work, even because our best efforts fall short. In fact, what really inspired me was at midweek, we usually asked several brothers to pray. And one single brother, he, as he was praying, he was recognizing the coming of Father's Day. And he's not even got someone in mind that he'd like to enter into this next stage of life with, but he's actually praying, God, help me to learn how to be a good father. And he said these four Ps, three of them I'll use in my lesson today, as a priest, as a provider, as a protector, and as a prophet, help me to be the man that I need to be, to be the father that I could be. And I was like, that just jumped off the page at me, that this young man, his heart is set on having a life that will impact others and being a man that will impact children. And brothers and sisters, the brothers in here, in our fellowship, we need to realize that we can be those men. We can be those priests. We can be those prophets. We can be those providers. We can be those protectors. We can set a tone and an atmosphere in this fellowship that will inspire the children around us, your children or other people's children. God has taken the time to teach us these things. He even makes up the difference. Because even on our best day, don't we fall short? I want to honor the fathers that are here with us today. I want to inspire those that are, are, are aspiring to become fathers. And, and give vision and hope for all of the children in here. Because some of us have grown up where our fathers haven't inspired us. And I pray that even in our fellowship we can understand and reach out to those kids that don't have those spiritual role models in their home. That we can understand that we can help them. We can build them up. We can 
do things for them that go beyond the normal family, that we can be an extraordinary family, that we can be what God calls us to be, because we're called together for a special purpose, amen? I mean, we, it's pretty audacious. We think we can invite people into church with us. They can be inspired by God's Word and want to get into a relationship with God. We think God puts us in places to meet those open souls, right? Don't we believe that? Well, guess what? God puts us in this fellowship to encourage the brothers and sisters and kids around us, too. We, if we don't think there's chance encounters outside, we do not need to think that there's chance encounters in here. Every opportunity is a chance to do something great to build up God and his people. Amen? And that brother, it just stood out to me. It just rang home to me what it was that he was talking about. And if you go to the next slide, I think if the Apostle Paul was with us today, he, he was never a father, yet he had sons in the faith. He never had his own kids, but he had men that he referred to as his sons in the faith. Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus. He referred to them as his sons in the faith. We need to just understand that even if you don't have a child in here right now, you can be a father to, to children in here right now. We need to embrace the idea that we can encourage those faithful relationships. I believe these three guys would be giving the Apostle Paul a Father's Day card. He, they'd be like, that's my dad. He's built me up. He's encouraged me. We need to see that we can have those kinds of relationships even in here. Paul honored them in a public, my son in the faith. When you call someone your son in the faith, and it's in a public letter, that's pretty powerful, right? In an appeal, in a communication. We need to just think about that father-child relationship. There's an honoring in that relationship. In Deuteronomy 5, kids, if you want to make your father happy, Deuteronomy 5, honor your father and your mother as the Lord commands. If you want to make a happy father, it's, it's, a card is a good thing, but honor and respect is a great thing. And sometimes as teenagers, we're just, there's a bunch of teenagers in here, we start to develop attitudes, opinions, and convictions, and it's like, why? How come? I don't agree with you. You're wrong. Can you, you guys agree with me? Teens? Sometimes even as adults. This is an actual teen quote. I don't want you to tell my parents that I told you this, Rick said with a wry smile. But most of the time they're right. I didn't need to say anything. In fact, Rick continued, the older I get, the smarter my dad gets. Sometimes we just want to say down because they say up or left because they say right because we're just learning how to have opinions. But we also need to learn how to be humble when we start realizing our parents know some of the things they're talking about. And taking time to acknowledge the positive things they've done for you will go a long way towards encouraging them in their role in raising you. Take time to do that. Take time to build them up. Some of us in here have lost our parents. Or some of us in here don't have a parent that's spiritually in our lives. God can provide that difference right in here. And God has even brought men and women into the church overcoming those things. God is greater than the deficits that exist in the world around us. God can move in your heart. God changed me. 
I wasn't even looking for him. And he changed me to realize I need him. God can change you. Some of us in here have lost children. That is the hardest thing. To be a parent and to have your child predecease you. We just need to trust that God is working in all of these situations. That he loved that individual, your parent, your child, even more than you because you sent Jesus. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of vulnerability. You need to ask for prayers. You need to talk about it. Some of us carry burdens on our hearts that we need other people praying for us about. Because God is able to console us even in those losses. And trust in Him even in the sadness of some of those situations. Paul never had his own kids, but he had three sons in the faith. Some of us in here can have sons in the faith even if we never have children of our own. We can be those kinds of men and women that can build up the kids and and have that happy Father's Day. We can know we've made a difference. We can know we've changed lives. Paul rejoiced greatly in that. He put pen to paper communicating that. We need to think about the men and women that we've influenced and would consider our sons in the faith and take time to verbalize that to them. Because that's important for our heart. I think this encouraged Paul that he could say this. Do you understand? We need to think about these things. If we look at the three things I wanted to share that stood out from that brother's prayer, the first thing is about being a priest. We go to the next slide. Now, a priest in the Old Testament was about intercession by going before God and connection. Like, he is like the way to connect to God. And us standing in this role as fathers of a priest, guess what? We're actually made into priests. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is talking to anyone who's become a Christian. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Priests build connection and strive to make peace with God. The idea of being a royal priesthood is that in teaching people about Jesus, we're actually able to help them make peace with God. We're actually able to be that intermediary to connect them to the blood of Christ through baptism so that their sins can be forgiven. And I think one of the greatest deals that any father would want to negotiate is the one between God and their children. You want there to be peace between God and your children. As, as any parent would want, peace between God and their children. Paul had a big heart for the people that were struggling. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I don't feel weak? Who is led into sin and I don't inwardly burn? Even on my way in here today... There was a brother who was just dealing with a great loss right now. And he was very sad. And we talked. And we literally pulled aside for a few minutes just to pray. And I have a list of kids that have grown up in our fellowship here and other places that I know parents that I pray for. I pray for God to work. And there's times I'll just ask the parents, what different thing can I pray for? What's going on now? We need to have a heart of prayer. 
We need to be prayer warriors. We need to be inwardly burning when our kids struggle. We need to be begging God for Him to work in their lives. We need to know the things that we're going to be praying about. My wife helps me. I tend to be like, ugh, they have clothes and food, caveman and warmth and air conditioning. They're fine. And a new Toyota RAV4. But she tends to be the one, did you notice how she felt about this? Did you notice how she felt about that? And I'm like, nope, but we're going to talk about it now. <laughs> Caitlin knows my, mom, my wife's love language is talk and chat. Words of affirmation. We need to know specific things to pray, and sometimes we just don't. And if we talk about it, we can figure out the things to pray. We need to discuss and brainstorm. Job did it for his children. Moses did it to try to save any righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he wound up saving Lot and his family. We need to be those men and women that are those priests, that we're going to God and begging God for them, that we're striving to aim for peace existing between God and our kids. Amen? The next thing, a provider of a home a safe space, and a community. Because you know what? We've been given something that we didn't have before. In becoming Christians, we became a royal priesthood. Also, we became what? The people of God. And all of a sudden, we're brought together. We're made into a community. In Luke 15, verse 20, this is after the prodigal son had gone off and things had gone really off the rails. So the prodigal son gets up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said, you're right. Hmm. Did the father do that? Did he shun the child? No. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. So they began to what? Celebrate. If we want to have happy Father's Days, when our kids make mistakes, when they come back to us, and admit those mistakes, guess what we should do? Celebrate. We shouldn't grind it in just a little harder. Let me make the point. You just, do you really know how bad you are? We need to have a heart that we are a provider. We're trying to provide a home, a safe space, a community. There's enough negative things out there. Kids need to be taught and corrected. But there's enough things out there telling kids they're no good, right? Especially in this modern era, girls, put your phone on, turn it off after 4 o'clock. There's a statistic that says giving a girl a cell phone with a social media platform is like giving a teenager boy a handgun. And then a boy would use the handgun the way girls can use words. Put that phone away. There's no safe space sometimes. But our home needs to be that safe space. How can we tell the, the father didn't close the door? How could we tell that the father didn't close the door. When the son left, how could we tell? He, he knew we could go back. 
We don't close the door. Don't say good riddance. Our heart needs to be, I hope you come back to your senses. I'm always here for you. The Father created that. How can we tell he was excited? He was looking for his son, right? It was His son was on his heart. If our kids are going through hard times, they need to be on our hearts in prayer, in our thoughts, in getting other people to pray for them. We need to be, don't be, God works. And he ran to him. He didn't wait to see, let's see what this guy does. He ran to him. And it was an overflowing amount of everything, right? He just lavished it on. We need to, our kids need to feel that. But man, this is my home. This is my safe space. Yeah, my dad's going to expect things out of me. The son knew he couldn't come back unrepentant, right? But he knew he could be accepted when he did. A home, a safe space, and a community. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, this is given as a warning. Paul says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Under this idea of providing. But let's read it. Let's kind of flip the script. If anyone provides for his immediate family, he has affirmed the faith and shows that he is a believer. The warning is one thing, but if we flip the script, we need to provide for our immediate family. We need to affirm the faith. We need to show that we are believers. It takes effort to provide for our family. We work hard as providers, but we are not just caught up with the physical provisions for our kids. Don't we have spiritual goals for our kids? We need to see it's beyond just clothes and food and, 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 a, and a life. That it goes into connecting them with the community of believers. We've been given a fellowship. Even in school, the kids come home, can we have a play date? We want to do this, we want to do that, right? And we figure that out. Guess what? We show our kids how much we think their friends are worth by what we do for them to get them together. Well, how much can we show the church is worth by the efforts we can make to get the kids together, to provide that community? We need to show that eagerness. We need to show an eagerness for fellowship. The girls used to be like, when are you going to leave? Just one more talk, honey. And we have discipling times over the house, and they're like, we don't want you to go downstairs. God will be careful. We'd be out there having a disciple in time. They'd be dragging the beds across the floor next to each other because they're afraid to be alone upstairs. We'd hear all this furniture moving. We need to see an eagerness for evangelism. We need to show that. We need to show an eagerness for meeting the needs. Sometimes we will wait till somebody asks us when we know there's something we could step up and do. We need to show that. Our heart needs to be, I'm not going to wait to be asked. I'm going to offer to help. I want to show my kids I believe in this community of believers. I'm not a reluctant participant. I'm actually building the community. We have a community of believers here. We need to pull together like that. How can we help our children connect? With the teens, showing the initiative to help your kids. Taking that initiative. Our kids take note when we actually think about the things that they want to do. They feel appreciated. So, be convicted if you're being reminded by things that you should have thought about for your kids. You should be convicted. You know, we, we need to think about getting them here to church on Sunday, getting them to the teen midweeks, getting them to the teen activities, figuring out, getting them to Solid Rock. That's an awesome time. Getting them to the, to the camp. 
That's an that's amazing time. My daughter loves to go to the camp. She's excited again this year to go to the camp. She wants all the teens to go to the camp, as TJ does, right? And I think even the Santiago's, I think, right? They want all the kids to go to camp. I think they're both going to be at camp. I think Daisy might be at both camps. I don't know. Throwing it out there. Anyway, no, no pressure, Daisy. Anyway, um, the youth and the preteens, getting them involved on Sunday things at church here, getting them to the monthly youth and family and kingdom kids services, that third Friday activity, arranging fellowship hangouts. We, we, we know who our kids' friends are. Make it happen. Don't be like, oh, man, we don't have Bible talks anymore. There's no solution. Woe is me. Think, come on. We did something new in trying to build spiritual relationships in the church. It has a deficit on one side and a benefit on the other. But do we have to be constrained by the deficits? No, we know who our kids' friends are. Let's get them together. Make it happen. Make a phone call. Reach out and touch someone. Can you hear me now? I want to hang out with your kids. Get them to the summer camp. The Kingdom Kids, our Sunday services, they're awesome. Asking the kids what they learned. You teaching in there. When, they, when your kids see you taking time to teach and prepare a lesson, that just goes so far. I could just see Tony being a crazy teacher. He's just crazy anyway, but being a crazy teacher for God. But when we teach in the kids' kingdom, we show our kids, then this isn't something I just want you to participate in. This is something that I believe in. And arrange times for them to hang out. Arrange that. And like I said, we do it for the kids at, at, in, their, in their classes at school. Imagine the positive impact of prioritizing this for their church friends. As fathers, we need to ferment these kinds of things that are good. We need to build it up. We need to lift it up. And I know so many of us have done things like this. I encourage everyone who's doing this stuff, you, you, you're like there's an amen in your heart. There's just an amen in your heart. Some of us are convicted because I, I you know we can take it high, but we need to be able to ex- uh, believe in, and, 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 and rejoice in the good things that we've done. There's a lot of good stuff that's happened in our fellowship to build up our kids, amen? A lot of good energies, a lot of good work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of valuable prayers and, and just amazing activities. And there's been so much support. On Friday night, Caitlin said, the team just had a blast. They just had an awesome time hanging out. And they're just so grateful for the generosity of parents offering venues like that and of the teen workers helping to plan activities like that. They're just encouraged by that. And sometimes kids will be like, oh, I don't want to go. But they're really saying, how serious are you about getting me to go? It's like they they try to put up a little resistance just because kids can be contrary, believe it or not. Last slide. Prophets. Teaching them the way and the heart. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. We need to be excited about our salvation. We need to be excited about the forgiveness of sins. We need to be exclaiming how great it is that we've been brought out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Our kids need to know how grateful we are for our salvation. It needs to just flow out of us. That's when we'll we'll have these kids that will just be like blown away by, boy, my parents are just so excited about everything that they have in Christ. We need to squelch any of that stuff that comes out that's bitingly negative or, or, 
onerously complaining. Because sometimes we are these suffering servants. Oh, we're not going anywhere. We're not leaving anything. But we're going to suffer through this Christian life. When in reality, if we thought about it, we're like, of course I want this Christian life. But sometimes we've just grown up in a negative perspective, and we have to change the way we think about things. We need to realize, yeah, okay, I've been told to suffer through life. I'm, going to, I'm not going to quit, but I'm never going to give up. You know? But instead, let's just declare the praises of him. You, know? you might wonder, how is this directed towards our kids? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is a, a command in the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. These commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And we've talked about this before. But that's a command that God gave in the Old Testament to parents about their children. And even to the children. So impress them on your children in the Jewish community like when Jesus was missing for those couple of days after the temple, was Jesus, were his parents freaking out? No. Why? Because he was with the community of believers. They had made a pilgrimage. He's like, they're probably with my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. You know? So he, they didn't freak out. When it says impress them on your children, that even means us being able to impress them on children that aren't our direct biological children. It's, it's a community of believers. And understanding that, you might say, oh, that's the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament kind of guy. I got you again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You think about training. How can you tell, how can your kids tell if you like a sport? How can your kids tell if you like a sport? Like, I know that Angelo loves baseball. And guess what? Guess what Leo loves? Baseball. Why? Because yesterday they were off playing a whole bunch of baseball and softball, fathers and sons. And he's got Leo in a league. I think he's even got his daughter playing. I think the girls play softball, sons. Well, whatever. But they're hitting the ball with a bat, right? How do I know that Chris Vignon likes softball? Because of his social media postings celebrating Jillian's various victories and exhorting us all to come and support her in the playoffs. And even they like it so much that I met a child, a middle school, uh, a sophomore at my school who knows Jillian and just, I can't even remember how we wound up talking about it, but this girl Dana says, oh me and Jillian, we're on a travel team together. I love the Vignons. Our families have been friends forever. Jack's like, I know who that is. I, you know, the girl with the long blonde hair, a little athlete from Mayapak. They think they should have been in the playoffs and not White Plains. Oh! Because White Plains got mopped up. Sorry, White Plains. It was a tough loss. Um, how do you know Joe Quesado and, his, and Luke like wrestling? Or that Elizabeth likes softball? Because they talk about it. Why am I saying this? Because if you're going to train somebody in something, you need to have an excitement about that thing. You don't need to be blase, blase, Here's the ball, there's the pins, stay out of the gutter. We need to help them be excited. How do you guys know I like Costco? Like, talk about it all the time. How do you think I know you like, I like Bruce Springsteen? I like Toy 
Odors. I like the New York Yankees. But look, I talk about it. Our kids need to know that this is something valuable to us by the, the enthusiasm we have in talking to them. We are encouraged to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we will, we will avoid exasperating them if we're legitimately excited about it. We'll avoid exasperating them if we're legitimately into it. And we can, the things that we're teaching are things that we're doing. So you know, I, I want us to be, as happy fathers, there are so many of these things that we've done. There are so many, we have grown in so many areas. Some of us have overcome things in our character and have changed the dynamics with our kids and have made efforts that have moved our kids' hearts. There's been so much growth. There's been so much victory. And there's always going to be things we, need, we can do better. Amen? But on a day like this, we need to rejoice in the idea that God promises that if we raise a child in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not stray from it. We need to be that constant lighthouse. We need to be that home. We need to be that priest. We need to be that provider. We need to be the protector. And I'm personally beyond grateful for my amazing wife, Andy. She constantly helps me to stay in touch with the girls' emotional states. I'm excited about both of our daughters, that they're wise wisdom, who are walking in the Lord and have passion and directions for their lives. I want to encourage you guys, when you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, what does it say? All these things will be given to you as well. We need to be, as, as a happy Father's Day, we need to just see that there's a value in the life that we're living. There's value in growing in the things that we're doing. And the victories that we've wrought, we need to celebrate and, and, and embrace the idea that we can have an impact on the kids in this fellowship. That you can be a father in the faith to somebody. That you can father, that you can parent, that you can inspire. And guys, we need to look around for those kids that don't have those male spiritual role models and embrace the idea that we can encourage them. Do you understand? And I appreciate the chance to be together here. I really am grateful for a time like this to celebrate the fathers and the biblical teachings that God has with regards to that so that we can be men that can understand the great things God's put in our path and the the incredible outcomes that have happened so far and the work that's still to be done. Amen.